Welcome to the Good Divorce Show. Not every divorce needs to end in disaster. It's time to see divorce in another perspective. Here to help with that is your host, Karen McNinney. Hello and welcome to the Good Divorce Show. I am tickled 10 shades of pink today to have two long-term professionals in the industry and authors who have just brought to all of us searching for a better path their new book, The Road to Splitsville. Jeffrey Stevens, Dr. Ronald Raymond, welcome to the Good Divorce Show. Thank you you very much. Very pleased to be here. Thank you. Jeff joins us as a 45-year a veteran of marriage, doing it well for a long time, native to New York City, author, um, as well as successful attorney in private practice. And I, we're going to ask you about this, Jeff, because you no longer take divorce clients. You have really put your energy behind counseling them, um, even after uh, many, many years of supporting the divorce industry in New York and Connecticut. You found a new path. Uh, currently, you're still living in Greenwich with your lovely wife, Nancy, and and your two adult sons, Graham and Trevor. Nice to have you with us, Jeff. Thank you very much. Great to be here. And Ronald, clinical psychologist, some real expertise here, a 58-year veteran of marriage, practicing counseling um, and working with families since 1967. Uh, you also were the director of psychology at Silver Hill Hospital in New Canaan, Connecticut for seven years. And people have always benefited from your knowledge at Yale, University of Oklahoma, Central Connecticut University, and Fairfield University. I want to dive right in and share with the public um, the road to Splitsville, how to navigate the road to divorce without making yourself crazy, your children miserable, and your lawyer wealthy, and then discover your own path to happiness. Looking forward to some nuggets here. Tell us a little bit about how this book came to be. I'm always curious about the genesis of this sort of message. Well, I had I had the idea for a long time, I have to admit, and I took notes and uh, I jotted down ideas, but I really didn't feel comfortable doing it until I had decided not to take any more divorce cases because I didn't want this book to be a sort of uh, advertising campaign for me to have people call me and say, boy, I want you to handle my divorce. The idea was to help people get through what I consider to be a broken legal system. We could get into that or not, as you like. Um, As I've already said to you, I I feel that it's wrong that divorce is treated like every other contractual dispute in the law. And it creates, by its definition, an adversarial position for the two parties. Lawyers get to feed off the misery of these people because the more contentious it is, the more expensive it becomes, and so forth. So I thought I could do something about laying out some guidelines to help people get to the end game without a lot of that heartache. And, And to use as an example, as I said to many people over the years, If you go to an experienced matrimonial attorney and you spend one hour, one hour, and you give them the entire history of your family, all of your true financial circumstances, everything, you just lay everything out. In one hour, an experienced attorney can take the possible spectrum of result of that case from here right down to here. They're going to tell you, like, in the end game, this is where you're going to wind up. So it seems kind of ridiculous to be spending all this money and all this anguish going through a broken system to get to that end. And then I thought, well, since we're going to be talking about that, I'm going to go to see my friend Ron Raymond and say, how would you like to collaborate on this? Because 
I think we could also come at this from the emotional aspects of the journey, because what we want is, what I wanted, was to show people that there is a path where it doesn't have to be horrible and where you come at the other end where the sun is shining and there is hope for a happy life ahead. It doesn't have to be misery like I see so many people post-divorce suffering from. And so that's when I brought Ron into the picture. Yeah, Ron. Ron. (laughs) Yeah, give us a little bit of background of what your experience has been in working with families and, and what you really wanted to contribute to this book. The, the specific project of the book, um, Jeff and I had worked with many clients together, and I was no longer taking any new clients either. So it did seem like the right time for Jeff and I to come together and offer something for people going through this process, as I've emphasized many times process. As far as my background goes, I had a great opportunity in that I was the director of a company called Transition Incorporated, which was a company that dealt with relocating transferees back in the 70s when there was so much geographical relocation going on in corporations. And I got through that process. Um, I was I was the director of counseling for training for IBM. And I got through that process, the ability to talk to over 5,000 families that were being relocated by by over 500 corporations. And I was so interested to find that in talking to them about geographical relocation, so often the the, the subject that was brought up was the subject of divorce. And as I listened to them, I realized these were people that were very frightened of this process and that if we could give some enlightenment to them, that they would be able to be less frightened about it and perhaps see it in a more more growing, uh, optimistic manner for themselves. And that's what that's what I was hoping this book would be able to do for them. Beautiful. One of the things I really appreciate about the book, in fact, I think it's in your first few sentences, we're not here to help you save your marriage. Right. We got to know when it's time to move on. That, that was, I, I will say, that was my intent from the beginning. I did not want this to be another book about people who have marital problems, working them and so forth. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, because some of the questionnaires and, and work programs that Ron created for the book interactively, I'm not saying they wouldn't be wonderful for anyone to look at, to examine themselves, their relationships and so forth. But I didn't want this to be yet another book about that, about, you know, well, this is how, you know, if you treat each other better, whatever, this is a book for people, as we say, as I said, right at the beginning of the book, if you think you could save your marriage, run, do not walk, get yourself a good therapist, start talking to each other, try and work things through. We believe in marriage. It's a wonderful and and, and sanctimonious relationship. We both believe in it. We're both long-term grooms, so to speak. But, um, but the importance for us was to get to those people who really needed the help. And that's why we began, and speaking of, uh, you know, sort of like the beginning, the middle, and the end of this journey to Splitsville, in the beginning, Ron and I believed that it was very, very important for people to look at how they got to where they are. And I've spoken to people, and some people are impatient with that. No, 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 no. Just tell me how I get divorced from this person because I hate him, I hate her, whatever. We felt it was very important for people to look at how they got there because they'll see things about themselves and to thine own self be true. And that's what we were aiming for. And we feel that if you're armed with that throughout the journey, 
you're going to have a much more successful path. You're not going to be as angry as Ron was talking about earlier. You're not going to have as much conflict in the process and you're going to be able to get to a happier ending. And so the beginning, you have to be a little patient with us, but the, some of the questions are just wonderful. And, you know, when I went back and read it, in our, you know, because when you write a book, obviously you read it multiple times to edit it. And even the last time I read it, I was really impressed with how insightful the questions can be and the things that they could bring up about yourself, your history, and how you got to be who you are. And so that's the beginning of the journey. And as we say in the book, if you were going to take a journey cross country, you wouldn't do it without knowing where you were going. You wouldn't do it without packing your luggage properly. You would do it by really, truly being prepared. And that's what the beginning of the book tries to do. That's right. And Ron, you have placed a number of questionnaires. There's almost a workbook aspect to the road to Splitsville, and particularly this early beginning reflection on the marriage itself, which, as Jeff was saying, might sound counterintuitive. Unpack that a little further further for us, Ron. Okay. I think that uh, my experience with people uh, both uh, out of the divorce situation, you know, doing therapy for so many years, uh, my in in that experience, my effort was always to help people look live a self-examined life to look at what goes on in them that creates these situations. And I think I would just like to add that we mustn't overlook the issues that play that play a role in the desire to divorce. I think they're very important. There are certain issues that I found just there was no question that the person needs to be out of this situation. It's issues such as physical abuse. You know, there's, there's you just walk away from that. There's no question that you have to be physically abused in any lifetime. I've always shared with our listeners this philosophy that the marriage may be ending, but the relationship is not. And if you share children, we certainly know that to be true, that these early decisions and behaviors cast a very long shadow over the course of the family story. And we're writing a story. Would you agree with that, that there is still this relationship that needs to be taken under consideration, oh, protected absolutely. even? Absolutely. And I think that, that you know, you mentioned children. I think this is one of the very important things that takes place in a divorce because so often children that I saw in these family situations blame themselves for the divorce. They think they are guilty. And it's so important for parents to really pound at the fact that that's not the case, that they, pay, they play no role in a divorce decision. Mm, absolutely. And Jeff, you've talked about even when you don't have children, there may be, you know, these sort of lingering threads that still connect you to your former spouse. Legally, what are the things we should pay attention to? Yeah, like George Washington called them entangling alliances. Uh, you know, I've been in situations where there are no children, but there's a house. And the parties, for one reason or another, are not in a position to sell the house yet. So... Sometimes they live in separate sides of the house. Sometimes one party has to live in it. The other party goes somewhere else, but is going to ultimately share in, in, the, in the proceeds of the sale of the house. So you know, these people are just not going to disappear from your life. I mean, it's very rare that ha it happens. It, it happens, but it's the rarity. But I'd like to hark back, if I could, for a minute. Ron said something very interesting about, you know, no one taking abuse as one of those things that no one should put up with. And that's, you know, certainly a basis for divorce. But here's here's what I get back to. I want to get back to this beginning again because it's so important to me. 
as we all know, the three of us, because we're all, you know, experts now it's on some level about divorce. How often is an abuse spouse the product of an abusive childhood? How often? Very often. Because to them, and forgive me for being so trite, that's what love looks like. So if daddy beat you up, then it's not unusual for you to be in a relationship where your husband beat you up. And that's why when we go through these initial questionnaires and workshops that we've designed, it helps people look at that and say, wait a minute, I'm better than that. I deserve better because so many people, what does love look like? I mean, I, you know, speaking you know, from experience, I know people who are very critical people, but if you look back in their childhood, it's because their parents were very critical or the, maybe they had a very abusive father and maybe not physically abusive, but verbally abusive. So that's what love looks like to them. And it's important for these people to see that there are opportunities to grow out of that and to be a better person and to have a more sustainable and more rewarding relationship. And that's why you can't just ignore where you are because you're just going to wind up in the same situation. People who marry alcoholics are very often the children of alcoholics. I mean, it's axiomatic. We see it statistically all the time. So does that mean you should just say, okay, I'm going to divorce her she was a drunk, but it's okay because my mother was a drunk, so I'll marry another drunk. <laughs> How does that help you? That's not what we were looking to do. Ron and I want better for people. We want people to be the best they that they can be. That's the point of the book. Yes. That really, that really dovetails with my thought on self-examination being the critical piece in, in all efforts toward an optimistic outlook for yourself. Right. I would say never underestimate the imprint of family of origin. Oh, man. Right. Well, that, we talk about that all through the book. But the other thing is, and no, no offense to Ron's profession, because he knows I love him, but you don't need 20 years of Freudian analysis to get to the answers to some of these questions. You just need to look back and say, what did my childhood look like? How did my father treat me? How did my mother treat me? And very importantly, by the way, how did my father treat my mother? And how did my mother treat my father? Because again, if that's what love was in your family, guess what you're going to wind up with at the end of the day? You're going to wind up with similar situations. And so how often, again, I'm, I'm talking statistically now, how often do children of divorced parents wind up being divorced as adults? We know the answer because to them, that was okay because marriage was a fungible asset. It was, you know, it was, you know, we, we live in a disposable society and it wasn't that important, but people who made it work for themselves and improved themselves and loved each other, that's a lesson that those children see. And guess what? They're more likely to have a successful marriage. I mean, there's no guarantees, of course, but they're more likely to. So if you read this book, and of course we hope, you know, everybody does, but if you read this book, read this Road to Splitsville with an open mind and do the exercises. Don't just read it for the answers. This is not a murder mystery where you're trying to get to the end. So we tell you, and this is who did it. Go through the process with us. You'll never regret it. I promise you that. It's Ron's money back guarantee. Ron. Well, Ron, <laughs> highlight for us uh, a bit of a case study, someone who did not do that self-reflective work as they were headed into their own marriage. And as they were sitting at their brother's wedding, well, okay. the domino started to fall. Tell us about it. 
Well, what comes to my mind is a little bit different example of uh, not doing the self-reflective work. And that is this case where I think where um, so many parents that I have seen lately, you know, one of the things I'll mention is that the, the age of divorce seems to be increasing so that people of of um, having older children oftentimes are getting divorced at their age and what i'm thinking of is a case of involving the older children without looking at what what is what is there for these people um you know very often there's an effort to get one of one of the parents in the divorce situation is trying to get one of the older children to side with them and to talk to the other one. So that I have this case uh, that I think of where the, the, the boy told me, you know, dad keeps saying, will you talk to mom about this? You know, tell her that uh, what I've been like with you. And it, it's just unfair in involving older children like this. The other thing though, that came to my mind while you were talking, Jeff, was that, very often I try to help parents see that by telling their children that they're getting divorced is a way of teaching their children, particularly women with female children, teaching them they don't have to live with this, that they do have choices in life. They can make choices and they can opt to not live in pain. Oh, there is so much wisdom we're going to continue to harvest in our show today. We are chatting with Jeffrey Stevens and Dr. Reynold R- We are chatting with Jeffrey Stevens and Dr. Ronald Raymond, their book, The Road to Splitsville, How to Navigate the Road to Divorce Without Making Yourself Crazy, Your Children Miserable, or Your Lawyer Wealthy, and How to Find a Path of Happiness Post-Divorce. When we come back from the break, we'll continue our conversation. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello, this is Karen. Welcome back. Today we are speaking to Jeffrey Stevens and Dr. Ronald Raymond, authors of The Road to Splitsville. Jeff, would you just chime in a little bit with what you've seen over your your long career as a divorce lawyer and reminding people now you've stepped out of that arena. Your real goal is to help people have a better journey through divorce. And there's a lot of paths we can choose. What have you seen? Well, that is the purpose of the book, as I've said. And in the book, and I won't belabor it now, but there are these different approaches to divorce. There's everything from the party settling the case to a mediation to an arbitration with an experienced uh, retired judge or retired attorney heading it up. You could have negotiations between attorneys and ultimately you could get into that black hole, as I call it, of litigation. But I did want to mention two stories which I find interesting, if not amusing. I'll take the first one. I was recommended this couple, very, very bright, very affluent, very successful, very high powered. They had two children and they came to me for a mediation. And as I said earlier, an experienced, an attorney, you know, a experienced matrimonial attorney, you give them an hour, tell them everything. And they'll tell you that this is where this case winds up from all these possible results. You're kidding yourself. If you think it's not going to wind up here financially, because at some point in our system now, which has been, unfortunately, it's just become a, a contract dispute. It's all about the money, right? I mean, that's that's how it winds up. It's about money. And if there are children, it's about custody. Okay. So they came to me and he was a very bright guy who retired relatively young. He had been some kind of a stockbroker fella and he was teaching some, some, uh, some courses at a, at a school I won't mention out of state and in the process of that, wound up having an affair with a much younger woman, a graduate student. In the meantime, the wife, who was quite attractive and, as I say, quite bright, was about as OCD as they come. I mean, she came in, and this, I'm not making this up. I don't know how many people out there use Outlook computers, uh, Outlook, excuse me, calendars. She had six months printed out in four colors, each color representing one of the people in the family, and she had them programmed for the next six months. I mean, she knew when Johnny was taking a violin lesson. She knew when Bonnie was taking a tennis lesson. She knew where they're going to dinner with their friends. It was nutso. And she was very, very angry about his affair. And she was unwilling to work it through. And so they're going to get divorced. And so we would do an hour session at a time. And at the end of every session, I would say, okay, I think we've made some progress here, but you both have to realize that in the end, this is where this is going to wind up no matter what you do and so forth. And this went on and I, I won't bore you with, you know, all the gory details, but to give you the reader's digest version, after about eight sessions, we spent eight hours doing this. I get a phone call from her one day and she said, I really have to come and see you. And I said, well, that's not the rule. The rule is we have to do everything together. I can't have any what we call ex parte conversations. That's a conversation with only one of the parties involved. She said, no, 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 I'm coming to see you. So she comes to, she comes to the, my home and brings me a plate of homemade chocolate chip cookies. And she tells me the following. She said, you are wonderful. I think you're terrific. You've done everything you can. And I just can't believe how angry I am at that. 
you know, fill in the blank. And I can't let this go. And so I've hired the most expensive attorney in the county and I'm going to go after him and I'm going to take his lungs out. And I said to her, you're making such a big mistake. I know that attorney. He happens to be a friend of mine, but he's a barracuda. This will cost you a fortune. And in the end, remember what I told you. A year and a half later, true story. You can't make this stuff up. A year and a half later, I get a call from the husband who said, Jeff, I want to thank you for everything you, you tried to do for us. And I had to tell you this. We just finished the case. A year and a half later, we spent $175,000 in legal fees and guess what the financial result was? Exactly Probably what I had predicted, what you had predicted two years earlier. Okay, yes. second story, second story. So that's an attempt at mediation where she did not do the introspection that we want people to do. And I'm not, as I say, I'm not talking about long-term analysis. I'm just saying, answer some questions for yourself. Think about your kids, think about your future and get this thing done, Okay. Another story. I get a call from a friend of mine and I knew the wife and he said, we're getting divorced. And I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry to hear that. He said, can I come and see you? I said, sure. But, you know, since I know your wife, there might be a conflict here. He said, no, no, I spoke to her. She said, it's OK if I use you. He came over again. Can't make these things up. 13 page single space typed out, dividing everything right down to the silverware and the crystal. I said, oh, my God, how long did it take you to do this? He said, we sat at the kitchen table for two days. We knew what was going to go on. We don't want to make any lawyers rich. We know what's going to happen. What we want you to do is we want you to draw up an agreement, just attach this. She's going to have a lawyer look at it just so it's, you know, it's up and up. And we're going to sign this. We're going to get divorced. Okay, so they did. The day they got divorced, we went to court in a place, a town called Bridgeport in Connecticut. And he was a doctor. And when we came outside, we came outside, <laughs> he had his car parked right in front of the courthouse, totally illegal, but he had a doctor's plate. And he said, could you guys hold on for a minute to me and the other attorney? I mean, there was no rancor here. Everybody was like, okay. He pulled out a camera and he said, do me a favor, take a couple of shots of us in front of the courthouse. So the lawyer and I looked at each other. We said, seriously? Because I knew them both. And, and the wife looked at us and said, we have pictures of the day we got married. Why should we have pictures of the day we got divorced? They have remained friends. They have two daughters who are now both highly accomplished. One is a physician down in Florida. The other one has her own business. They remain in contact because they didn't let the anger. And there was a lot of anger there. I mean, they didn't get divorced from nothing. They didn't let the anger get them. So what I'm suggesting is that there are different paths you can take to Splitsville. One of them could eat you up alive and you come out of it torn up and damaged. And the other one is I'm going to get on with my life and I'm going to find happiness because there's still plenty of time left in the game. So anyway, those are, those are at least two of the stories. And I just wanted to share because there are different ways to go. Oh, great examples and contrast of the good divorce versus the bad divorce. And as you talk about these different paths and, and Ron, I'm going to ask you to fill in a little bit of your perspective Certainly when I work with my clients, there's a very different dynamic between the person who is choosing to leave the marriage and the person who's being left. It's two different divorce experiences. How so? Well, for one thing I will say is that of the person being left, I think in my experience, almost all of them have remained in therapy after the divorce so that I think that they really learned something about themselves from the divorce. And I think it was very profitable to them. Uh, 
The the other thing, Jeff, you mentioned in your first example, we've never done this, but you mentioned that there was an OCD issue. And I can tell you right now, I'm sure I can top you with any OCD story you come up with. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, think, yes, you've yeah. seen it all. I'm thinking of of the OCD and this this uh, couple they came to me and the person that was left behind, he really was a very seriously OCD person and had this poor woman to a point where she literally had to line up the forks and spoons and knives in the drawer in a very specific way. Otherwise, he would go go nuts. And one of the nuts goes back to what you were talking about before, Jeff, is that so many times the person that's the abused, physically abused person was abused as a child. Well, statistically, we know that very often the abuser was also grew, grew up in an abusive situation and they don't know any other way. And that's what happened in this case, that he was really an abusing uh, husband and she reached a point where she said I can't take this anymore and I helped her see the process of that she needs to go through to free herself from this and to grow herself within that but he stayed in therapy and eventually gave up the uh, the OCD um, uh, fixation that he had and realized that he needed to move on but what that giving up the OCD piece and what he was doing to his, his previous wife enabled him to see a new life for himself out there and we were talking about that before about what a new life often means and i think so often the person left behind feels that they have to run right out and find another person and they have to go through the same thing that the person who has chosen to leave goes through and that is a building of the self first finding ways that you know who you are and what you are and what pleases you because you got to have a life other than finding another another spouse right away and there is a time of reinvention post-divorce you lay out in the book some guidelines around finding an appropriate therapist uh, and they come in lots of different shapes and sizes and titles and letters after their names could you give us just a high level overview of one why we all should consider this sort of personal work and two how to make sure we're working with someone that actually is going to be a good fit for us yeah i think why we should give get involved in this personal work is that i think that in any divorce situation, the person benefits by looking at themselves and the role that they've played in it. And there's no one that's absolutely free of part role in this. But I also think that it's important that you can choose a therapist of any any credential, that, but you need to have someone that you know by looking up the various credentials that are offered, and that can be done on the internet, that you have someone that's been trained. And most important in picking a therapist, I think, is is the shopping aspect. You you need to talk to several people and see which one you have a feeling for that feels for you. Because this is not this is not a science that involves chemistry. This is a science that involves relationships. And I think that's the same case for the therapist you choose. You need to feel an intimate relationship with that person and that they understand you. That's the I important thing. I couldn't agree more. I tell my clients shopping for a therapist should be a little like shopping for shoes. Please put a few pairs on, walk around, see if it's a good fit. Is it feel comfortable? You'll know as soon as you even have two to contrast, which feels like this is a place where I can open my vulnerability and go deep and feel safe. Most important in that relationship. 
You use some. I, I would just like to add, if I may, Ron, that the yeah. same thing applies to attorneys. I mean, you'll know early yes. on in the relationship, is this someone you're going to be able to share your secrets with? Is this someone who's going to care about you? Or is this someone who's in a hurry to get the check? I mean, there's 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 a guy who's renowned. He's considered a retainer collector. And, you know, <laughs> and his reputation is that, you know, once he gets the retainer, you can't get through to him on the phone. He gives him off to his associate, to the secretary, to the paralegal. You know, you need somebody who's going to care about what happens to you in the process. But I really like the idea of shopping because trying on like the shoes example you just gave is absolutely the way I feel about choosing a therapist, that it's an, an emotional experience that you feel that you're being understood. And you you also use the word vulnerable. I think you have to feel that you can open up and be vulnerable and let people know who you really are or not people, but the therapist. And that that is a shopping situation to find the right person. The credentials are not as important to me as finding the person that you feel really feels for you, understands you and wants to help. Agreed. Mm, So good. Uh, We're going to come back from our break and dive into anger and regret and guilt. And even just this idea that this is a grief process. It's in, categorized as ambiguous grief. And when we come back, we'll let Rob, Ron tell us a little bit about um, what to pay attention to in that. And for both Jeff and Ron to talk about anger and the danger of that hijacking your divorce experience. In conversation today with Jeffrey Stevens and Ronald Raymond, their book, The Road to Splitsville. Stay tuned. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey, before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. 
Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Welcome back. I am your good divorce coach, Karen McNenny. Today, chatting with a couple of experts, authors Jeffrey and Ronald, their book, The Road to Splitsville. And I can't help but think about how often anger becomes this paramount emotion that can really eclipse the process. Where does the anger come from? Why is it so prevalent in this process? And how can we work through it and beyond it? Well, I think one of the things we have to look at, you asked, where does the anger come from? And I think very often the anger comes from oftentimes years of feeling uh, a great deal of resentment in the marital situation and not feeling that you're free to do something about it. That's a very important thing. The experience of being free to do something about it. The anger can be toward the self. It can be toward the marital situation, toward the spouse. It doesn't matter, but it's still an inherent emotion that I think we go through whenever there's a breakup of something that we have. Let's not forget we had invested in for years Many of these marriages were really deeply invested in for years. And now all of a sudden, you're ex- the person is experiencing the fact that maybe that investment didn't pay off and that produces anger. And Jeffrey, I'm, I'm guessing that you have seen angry anger through your work as a divorce lawyer blow up all sorts of situations. Well, sure, is the example I gave you. But, you know, right. one thing that Ron and I get into in the book is that and you mentioned it earlier that divorce involves grief because it's the death of a relationship. And and when you to go all the way back to the beginning, most people, I mean, the overwhelming majority, I'm not talking about a shotgun marriage, but most people marry because they're in love. And yes. now suddenly, I shouldn't say suddenly, but over years, that love somehow has disappeared. But you have to remember that you got married for that reason originally. And now you're experiencing the death of that relationship. And so as Ron and I discuss in the book, you go through the various stages of grief, whether it's denial in the beginning or shock, and then there's the anger and the hurt that we're talking about, and then there's this feeling of sadness, and ultimately acceptance if you're healthy enough to get through the process. But people should not feel bad or judge themselves wrongly for feeling those emotions. They're all absolutely appropriate because a major relationship in your life is dying. And the fact remains, we only have so many years that God gives us on earth and a big chunk of it in most cases. And as Ron said, people are older now when they get divorced, right? So so a big chunk of your life has been taken up in that relationship. And so you're going to feel those things and it is normal. And so the key is to get past the anger, as Ron is saying, because if you get stuck at that stage, if you get stuck at the anger, then you're not going to be able to get to the next level. And the anger is going to eat you up. It's going to impede your ability to have a reasonable divorce. And it's going to hurt your chances of finding happiness later on. And it's very tough to do. Let's face it. I mean, like the old joke about what's the one thing if you're if you're upset about something, what's the worst thing someone can come up to you and say? Don't be so upset. <laughs> get over it. Yeah, get over it. No, 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 no. Yes, right. But, but I've got to get over it. You know, you telling me to calm down is not going to calm me. So so the idea that that we hope, and I think that Ron has done it brilliantly to have provided 
questionnaires, workshops, and so forth during the book so that you could look at these things honestly and maybe even laugh at yourself or maybe even acknowledge to yourself that, yeah, I was married to a real SLB and, you know, I was very unhappy. But on the other hand, I had some contribution to this. That's going to be very helpful for you moving forward. And I think divorce, often the, the suffering, the pain, the sadness is done in silence. There has been shame and a taboo, which only creates more isolation, which does not help those of us that have walked the path like myself. I always thought, I just want someone to show up with a casserole at my front door. If I had a cancer diagnosis, I'd have 10 casseroles this month. But instead, I'm alone on my bathroom floor crying my eyes out thinking, what have I done to my children, to myself, to my family? Okay, so let's talk about that, and I'll let Ron take the floor, but what you just brought up is a whole other subject, getting past anger, and that is the guilt. Even if you don't feel that you're the responsible party, having to deal with that guilt about your role in the, in the, in the death of the marriage, how this is going to impact your children, and even what you're going to do about yourself going forward, that is so important to address. You can't ignore it. You have to, you have to confront it. As I said earlier this afternoon, Guilt, regret, and anger are the three most corrosive, uh, in my experience, three most corrosive emotions. But guilt, boy, that's that's a bad one. Ron, you want to say something about that? Well, I wanted to say that very often it's not just guilt as to how I created this issue in the marriage, but there's guilt about actually calling for a divorce. And I think that's where we have to really help people see that they're not guilty, that this is a decision they've made, hopefully through a process of really looking at how they can optimize their life rather than yes. living in this pain. So true or false, people tend to stay too long and do more damage by fighting for the marriage rather than fighting for the good divorce. Well, I think you're, you're hinting or going towards something I've heard so often. We stayed married, married for the children. And I think that's often a big, big mistake because children often profit a great deal more by parents not being so miserable together. They, they, they pick up on that very easily. Well said. Oh, that's so true. In my experience in dealing with kids, I, I had a judge once once say when when the other side was arguing for something about the children and this and that and the other thing, he just looked at the civil lawyer and said, let me tell you something. Kids get over this much quicker than the adults do if the adults get out of their way. And it's and, and it is true. I yes. Mean, you know, kids, kids, children being involved in in a home where there's a lot of tension because there's so much unhappiness between the parents, that's not a productive environment for them. They, they are better off with people getting divorced. But the question you raised is, are pe do people tend to stay in the marriage too long or do they get out too quickly? Because, as I mentioned, in my view, that we live in a disposable society, I think it cuts both ways. Mm. I don't know statistically how, the, how this would come out, but there are people who try and work out their marriages and it doesn't work, but at least they tried. And for that, I give them credit. They go to see a therapist. They go to see a, quote, marriage counselor, you know, but it's really just a therapist who's trying to help them work through their issues. And as we say in my trade, sometimes, oh, they went to see a divorce counselor <laughs> because really we know that marriage is not going to survive. And so what that counselor is going to do is just try and help them find a nice path out. On the other mm -hmm. hand, some people throw in the towel too quickly and maybe they shouldn't have been married in the first place. So mm -hmm. the, the key is whether you're getting out in the, after too long or whether you're getting out too soon, 
do it in a way that is, le- first of all, less damaging for your children. Because remember, there's a whole chapter called, your, remember, your children didn't ask for this. So your first responsibility if you have children is to them. Your second responsibility is to yourself. Make sure that you're doing it in a way that's productive for you and that you come out of this thing whole and then move forward and leave guilt behind and leave regret behind and start looking for the sunshine at the end of that road to Splitsville. That's what we are on. Yes. In many, many of the adults that I saw uh, in therapy, they will tell me that as children, they really wish their parents would get divorced and they didn't understand how they could stay together. They didn't understand why all the fighting was always there and they just seemed to put up with it. And I think that's important for us to listen to that. A lot of adults feel that their parents should not have stayed married. I've also heard that divorce falls into this category of ambiguous loss, which is its own sort of unique experience. Is that something you're familiar with or could speak to, Ron? Ambiguous loss? Ambiguous loss. Like if you had a loved one who um, was lost in an accident uh, in the forest and their body wasn't recovered or a POW or, you know, the strangeness of... I'm divorcing you and it's done, but you're in my life every day still. If you have children, there's that gray zone between you're here and you're not here. I don't have the I don't have the marriage anymore, but I still have this human in my life. So I'm grieving one part and trying to make peace with the other. I think the ambiguity may come from the fact that the person doesn't give the marriage the same value that we give to a person. You know, in other words, in other words, I think that there's a loss that's like a death in a marriage. And I think the process that we talk about in the book is to help the person see the investment that they had in that. And that, in fact, a death has occurred. Oh, you know, I've heard the the term, Karen, but I, I tend to look at it a little bit differently than that. And I'm sort of in Ron's camp, which is. And we've been saying this for this entire discussion, that the interesting thing, for one of a more elegant word, about divorce is there is never finality. When the judge brings down the gavel, it ain't over because you do have children or you do have assets or there is going to be an alimony obligation. So the, the marriage may be in an end. But this, as you say, this relationship or this connection doesn't go away. And that's very, very tough for some people. Mm-hmm. You know, they just like it. I mean, I've known people said, what I wouldn't give if I just never had to look at him again. You know, <laughs> I just, you know, if, if I could just go away. And I have had I've had divorce settlements based on that. Where literally, literally, in, in this instance, the wife would say, I'd rather forego any alimony. I'd rather take a lump sum payout. And just never have to do anything else with that person. We don't have kids. I never want to speak to him again. And I had one like that. And by the way, the woman who was very accomplished, she's an artist, a doctor, and a pianist. How's that? And went on to a wonderful relationship and never looked back. Right. So for some people, that works. But for most people, you don't get that finality. You don't get that clean cut. And so that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. I so often think our legal system helps us get divorced, but who's helping us to know how to be divorced? It's people like the two of you. That's right. Ron and and I and you. Yes. (laughs) That's what they have to go to. We do have a section in our book that talks about a little bit about how you should interact with your ex-spouse. I'll tell you one of the things that I see often is 
accusatory kinds of comments, accusations, where it's your fault that this is happening. And there isn't a, an, an involvement of this person in recognizing that they are a human being with all sorts of their own feelings. So I think that's one of the things that happens is we sort of dehumanize in, in a divorce, the, the, the one that has left dehumanizes the other one, per, per, perhaps either way, or the one that's left dehumanizes the other yeah, one. Yeah, I'd like to say it a little more positively. Okay. Number one, number one, never, ever, ever badmouth your ex to your children. So that's the, that's the biggest pitfall for me. That's number one. Number two, never speak to your ex disrespectfully critically in any way, which is what Ron was touching on, right? Mm. So, so so those, to me, those are the two pillars. And number three, don't get in the way of the other person's life. So I guess I've known people who, you know, what they'll do is the, the ex has a girlfriend and the ex-wife doesn't have a boyfriend. And so suddenly she's bad mouthing the guy's girlfriend or, you know, because they have to be at certain functions together, all that sort of thing. Never. So never disrespect. So I would say always communicate in a respectful, non-critical manner. Never badmouth your children. Never. And then the last one would be don't go after that person with third parties. It, it actually makes you look worse. Yes. Oh my gosh. And that is a tall order for people who are in grief and hijacked emotionally, which is why it's so important to seek out that therapeutic support, to lean on books like yours, The Road to Splitsville, to do these questionnaires and clean up your own side of the street so that you don't go polluting other parts of your world. Absolutely. But there are questions we ask people to look at so they could see where they're going to move forward down the road so that they could get to places where they want to be, that you're going to be the best you possible, that forgiveness is greater than anger and, and resentment, and get on with life. And it is so important that people do that and that they see that and then they realize that that's critical to their happiness. Well, I was just going to say, we have a section in the book on how to choose who you talk to about, about the divorce. And that's important because everybody knows, you know, the right answer. Everybody knows what you should do or shouldn't do. It's very, it's very important to, to make sure that you're doing this for yourself and not just listening to others have an input. So much good advice from our guests today, Jeffrey Stevens and Ronald Raymond, co-authors of the book, The Road to Splitsville, How to Navigate the Road to Divorce Without Making Yourself Crazy, Your Children Miserable, or Your Lawyer Wealthy, and How You Can Then Discover Your Path to Happiness. Jeffrey, where can we find the book and the two of you if we want to learn more? The book can be found at the easiest place to get it, is Amazon. They're the 800-pound gorilla. Uh, it's in paperback. It's not expensive. It's $18. Um, we think it's well worth it for anybody to look through to evaluate their relationships. Um, obviously, we support local bookstores. You can order it there. And uh, we've got a website, www.theroadtosplitsville.com. And so you could look for things on there. We're going to start posting. The book just came out. We're going to start posting things on there to help people. I think all of our listeners would find it very valuable. Whether you're going through the divorce yourself, you're a divorce professional and want to do it better, or you're someone supporting a friend or family member in divorce, the road to Splitsville. And I will remind each of you 
everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Good Divorce Show. We hope today's episode has helped you find a kinder, more sensible, and less expensive path through the divorce journey. Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.